Hello friend. Welcome everyone to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Mr. Robot Season 4, Episode 2. It's called 402, Payment Required. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I forgot the, the naming system for this, and when I first looked at the, uh, the title when I was watching on Prime and it popped up, I thought it was trying to tell me that I my my Prime membership had lapsed and I had to pay, <laughs> I had to <laughs> I had to renew my details so that I could pay for the Prime. Uh, that's and quite was, funny. And then I was like, oh no, it's just the stupid name of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be like an error message saying, no, no, you 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 we've not been able to charge you. You have to go and fill in your bank details again. I'm like, piss off. <laughs> I, I assume episode four is going to be like four oh four, not found, right? Oh, it's going to be four oh four. I don't I don't know if. Uh, as, 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 that's the standard 404 message isn't it yeah but it's payment required the standard 402 message no but would you but 404 is probably the most well-known one. Oh, it absolutely is Hell so it. that's why i would say oh it is it is uh, and is actually that... 403 forbidden that sounds familiar yeah yeah that's familiar yeah that sounds yeah. like a normal one yeah that one a fair bit yeah yeah okay all right all right i, I guess 402 I think... payment required is a real thing then it probably yeah. is a real forbidden i think you get a lot when um depending on your browser on a modern browser if you try and access a http site instead of a https um your browser may just be like hey no no no, this is unsecure so it'll give you a 403 okay well there you go that's just the title uh we start the episode with uh price doing some voiceover doing some uh backstory filling in some exposition uh, over news footage of various things and a few um, Forrest Gump style insertions of Zhang into various world leader uh, clips. <laughs> we see, we yeah, see they Zhang. did this with it was Obama they did it with the, at one season, right? Well, no, that was different because Obama actually said things. He actually said dialogue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. They did that. Yeah, but it wasn't this. No, this is different. This is uh, Putin Zhang in, in the footage shaking hands yeah. with Putin and, and uh, the Queen and yeah. But I think the Queen was playing golf. I thought, I thought she was like swinging. No, a club. she was like knighting him. She was knighting him. That's what it was. It was the sword. Yeah. Ah, right. I just remember swinging something metal. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the sword and the shoulders. Yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> that makes yeah. more sense than just having a putter in, in her right. office. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wouldn't put it past old Liz. <laughs> just got a putter. Uh, and it starts with the the Berlin Wall coming down and how this was a, a time of opportunity. Everything was changing. The world was changing. And Minister Zhang got an idea. It was like we get like a, a young, presumably some sort of old clip. They got a BD Wong <laughs> when he was in his twenties. Um, yeah, or just a bit of CG deep fake magic. Ah, uh, maybe. Uh, maybe. I mean, they probably at least used reference photos of him. But I, he. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say that the fact that this is over like a, an old CRT kind of display is the visual style that probably that kind of covers up quite a bit. It makes it easier. There was only actually one point with a. Uh, putting Zhang into the other footage where his face just looked a little bit off. Like, it looked a little bit... Just Which bit? ...disconnected. Um, if you can remember, it doesn't matter. Nah. It wasn't the it wasn't one with Putin. It was, like, one or two after Putin where it just... it looked His head just looked a little bit stuck on. And it, but it looked mm. fine the rest of the time. It was just that one, one yeah, little bit. Yeah, mostly it looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, fair play. Uh, but we find out that he formed the Deus group. Now, Deus here, I didn't I didn't actually know exactly... Like, I got the gist of what it sounded like. It wasn't until later where I saw it written down, uh, where I noticed mm. the spelling. And can and I think it's interesting because Deus in this case is Deus as in Deus Ex Machina. Um, meaning that it's... As in uh, God. As in God, Latin for God, yeah. It is Latin, right? 
I would assume so. Uh, Deus, so it's always Latin. Because Deus Ex Machina, if you don't know, is a god in the machine, uh, which often is used to talk about like AIs becoming self-aware and things like that. And you know that, that's the most common use of it these days. But um, yeah, so I thought that's notable. Um, and you know, again, we see him rec- recruiting essentially world leaders uh, all over the planet uh, to yeah. be part of the Deus group. And Evil Core became, became this kind of front for them. This idea that okay, so they did use terrorism, they used real life terror events on the screen and things like that, and sort of implied that Zang was behind them. But uh, the, the idea that the next big coup was going to be digital, it was going to be people using the internet and people signing in, and you know, it specifically shows a montage of people like ticking the uh, yes, I agree to these terms and conditions, yes, and, which obviously no one ever reads, and yes. it's like, oh hey. You've just given over all your bank details to the internet, yes, and uh, all your, you know, everything about your life on social media. So, uh, and it's this idea that eventually, at least Price became aware, if no one else, that ultimately this whole thing, like Deus Group, wasn't really the end goal. Zhang was kind of using them all for his project, his pet project, as he calls it, which is this device that he is shipping to the Congo, this thing that he's been building towards for years. And Price even says that the others know about it and kind of laughed it off and thought, ah, that's not going to be a thing. That's just nothing. So, again, they keep playing with this idea of what is this damn device? And it makes it even more terrifying seeing... Because we've always known he's had a lot of power, influence, and wealth. Mm. We've seen that. But this kind of put it in perspective of a whole other scale. And he still doesn't give a shit about any of this. It's just about his project. Mm. That's pretty intense. Which almost like it almost does this thing where it puts it in this real world setting of like all these world leaders. It, it, it makes a point of using all these, you know, Castro and everyone else. Yeah. And it gets to the end of it, and it's like, but the idea that he thinks there's something more important that that this device, whatever he's doing, is more important. Like it almost swings it around to almost convincing me that maybe it is something science fictiony that he just genuinely believes he he can do something bigger. Like he has a right, higher power. He he is basically behind half the world at this point if not more <laughs> like if this if, if being that powerful isn't the end game then what is the what end is? game yeah. what is beyond that <laughs> like it's pretty it's it's huge is is all it is and i have yeah. no idea and it, it could be as simple as that this device will let him like maintain all this digital information and just make him powerful without needing everyone else you know it, it cuts out all the other people but yeah, it's possible it could be that simple but i mean our mind does tend to wonder and go, and, go further and, I I don't want to rule anything out definitively in this show. Mm. Aliens. Anyway, uh, so eventually, of course, it comes into the scene that we're actually in in the real world, and this is this has been Price explaining this to Elliot, and obviously by default, Mister Robot as well. Uh, and it comes out, and he's looking. He's in all safe. He's looking at Elliot's big board, the big web, and I noted that a lot of the shots in this of of Price. He was literally in the middle of this big web behind him, and you know the, the light is very—it's it's dawn, so the light's very harsh and it's at a very low level, and yeah. it feels like he's—he's—he's he's, he's literally, literally been over, overpowered by this web around him. It, I, um, visual was very clear in terms of what it, it was. was. Doing. I did notice at the top of this it said Deus. Uh, I don't know. Did Price add that on himself, or was that something that was there before that Elliot had stumbled across the name, just hadn't connected to anything? I don't know. Um, I I would be inclined to think he added it, but yeah. uh, I did. They could they could swear for me otherwise. Um, you know, so so yeah, Mister Robot's still narrating. That's that's a big thing here uh, in this episode. You know, it's probably gonna be a big deal the moment that Elliot 
talks to us again. Finally talks to us, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a funny bit later on, we'll get to that in the scene, but there's a funny bit later on with Mr. Robot narrating that I really liked. Uh, okay. But yeah, he's still narrating and saying, hey, this is kind of weird, this is like our enemy, and he's the only reason why we're alive. And he Price kind of says as much. He's like, hey, like, you're lucky I'm the one who was in charge of like dealing with that building and like taking care of people that were involved in it. And he's like, yeah, why don't you just kill me? Um, and he's asking questions of like, hey, can we, can we, you know, I want to break into the bank. I want to do this big heist, take all of White Rose's money. Can we get to this? And you, you must have a connection because as soon as he says like you, you know, because what I liked about this is that when when uh, the the big idea of like you can help us like comes into it. That's when it switches to Mr. Robot for the first time. Like, not yeah. counting the narration. It's Elliot talking to him, but as soon as the idea is like, it switches to Mr. Robot and says, hey, you can get us in. You'll have a connection. And it switches back to Elliot eventually when it becomes about more the hard details of like, oh, I can get past this authentication and I can I can worry about the hacking parts. And I mean, this has been true of their relationship and who, which parts they represent the whole time. But the idea that Mr. Robot is where the extreme ideas come from and then Elliot's the sort of the raw like numbers and hacking he, of it. He does the implementation. Yeah. Uh, but And this is where we get the name Susan Jacobs again. Uh, and we find out that she was the one who worked at E-Corp whose job it was to kind of be a liaison, as it were, to the bank. Philip uh, himself never really had access directly to the bank. No one else in the company did. It was just one person they appointed, which was which was her. It was Jacob. Makes sense. And, and then he's like, and Elliot's like, well, hey, we need to get to her. And he's like, ah, it's not that easy, uh, Mr. Alderson. She's been missing for months. And of course, thank you to the previously on, by the way, for uh, reminding me uh, of her name, because I would have been yeah. maybe confused otherwise. Um you know, this is this is the woman that Darlene to, killed. To be fair, even if you didn't catch that in the previous one, I think the episode does a good job of uh, bringing you up to speed on that pretty quickly. When it, you know, so you're not left in the dark for too long. Oh, sure, yeah. By the time you see her photo later on, on the phone, yeah, I mean, it's it's clear who we're talking about. Um, yeah. But um, but in this scene, though, it's immediately it's like, oh, we know who's, we know why she's missing. We know exactly yeah. why she's missing. And I thought that was that was a neat little beat there in in the scene. Um, so yeah, and what's interesting is that he's just dead set against this. He's like, no, nah, I can't help you. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't. And it's Elliot is like, White Rose killed your daughter, and this stops him dead in his tracks. And Elliot's like, yeah, I looked into you too. Like, I, I know things. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, and what's what's great about this is that he's he makes this plea to his like his morality. He's like, you've been looking the other way for so long. Like, I think it's it's you know you, because what he says to Mister Robot afterwards when Price leaves and robot thinks that hey like see that's it we, we get no help from him Elliot's like no 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 he's still back. he's still in uh, yeah. we'd be dead if he didn't want to be it's a, uh, fighting you know, he's, he's still in and Mr. Robot's like he literally just walked out yeah but uh, that's the whole idea that he wouldn't have saved him if he didn't want to fight in some way and the idea that Angela being his, his motivation to fight is very interesting because it's also Elliot's motivation to fight and later on it's going to be partially Darlene's motivation to fight Everyone's got a motivation to fight, and Darl and Which, Angela's kind of at the center of all of it. <laughs> and it it makes me feel like there's got to be that you know a moment where the rug's pulled out from under them to do with Angela. Oh, maybe, yeah, yeah. If 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 she's the key motivation bringing them together, there's got to be something that that screws that up. Yeah, and you know, he obviously doesn't admit to any of this. He doesn't agree with Elliot, but he he hesitates enough where you know that he is doubting himself he does kind of want to fight back because he you know because he yeah. has that really morbid thing and when he's leaving 
He was like, ah, you know, the minute I agreed to work with White Rose, I knew I was a dead man walking, and for the record, so are you, uh, yeah. kind of thing. So, like, you know, uh, being cynical as ever. Um, so after this scene, uh, because the scene ends with a, a phone call from Darlene, uh, their mother has passed away. Uh, so we cut to, you know, her retirement home or wherever she was living, and... Again, I love the uh, just the simple shot composition here, where it's, it's on this woman who's talking about how great their mother is. You know, her, their mother was this, you know, this this rock for her when her when her son pa- or her father passed away or something like that. And yeah. it cut, it stays on her for a while. It pulls out from her, and it cuts to uh, Darlene and Elliot, and they're standing at opposite sides of the frame. They're, they're, just completely they're, uninterested. They're, they're not, you know, because you know the, the mother's just like, you expect them to be standing close, yeah. maybe maybe even with their arms around each other or something, like, you know, like affectionately, like you know, grieving. Sure. And they're just in opposite ends of the frame, just looking like, huh? <laughs> it's the way they stood so still as well and, yeah. and rigid. And again, it's this harsh light coming from behind. It's not quite dawn anymore, obviously, but it's this harsh light that really is is in a stark background. Oh dear. Um, so yeah, they're looking through stuff, um, and because uh, uh, the woman's asking actually, like you know, about what to do, and Elliot says, "Oh, what do we do?" Um, and she's explaining the rules, and Darlene goes, "Donate everything without a thought. <laughs> just donate yeah. everything." We don't want and to look she's through. just shocked. It's like, well, um, staff aren't actually allowed to do that. You have to kind of go through it all. Yeah, have to label the things you want. You want donated and whatnot. Um, so they're looking through stuff, and you know, Darlene takes a coat, and Elliot's like just. And Darlene tries to like say, "Hey, like yesterday, that whole thing with Angela and me thinking I saw her, like that was kind of crazy." Uh, and Elliot kind of just, says, "Oh, we're cool. It's fine. Whatever. Let's just get this done." Like he just wants to yeah. get out of there as quickly as possible. And the key detail, of course, is that he finds a yellow Walkman that used to belong to him. Uh, and you know, I think Darlene says, "Rad, <laughs> that's your old Walkman." Uh, yeah, yeah. I think he opens it up and sees what's inside it. He now, does. Right? He sees it. We yeah. don't get to see it. Not does she, but he does no. get to see what it is. Um, and he, and he goes to chuck it out and donate it. He shows it in the box. Darlene goes and says, "No, I'll have it if you don't want it." Uh, although I did note down that she said, "Why did Mum have that? Mum hated music." I thought that was a funny line. Um, yeah, uh, obviously makes a lot more sense later on. Mm. Uh, and of course, the scene ends with Darlene finding a safety deposit box uh, account, a receipt, or whatever. Uh, in this box so that kind of sets up a big thing that they're going to be doing uh, a little bit later uh but then we cut to the fbi we cut to dom who is sitting at the opposite end of a table of someone else uh, who we find out later is an agent horton and they are looking at each other and he's 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 basically this is the interview about santiago and he's like hey it's kind of weird that he disappeared you know after deleting some camera footage uh, did he ever act suspicious? What was he like with you? You know, you guys in the squad and in the office, blah blah. And again, I want to note the camera work here. I want to note the framing and some of the, a couple of the things it was doing. The dead on shots because there was like two sets of shots essentially in this scene that it kind of flipped between. Uh, one pair of shots again, sort of reversing between them, was looking at them dead on. And when it was looking at him, it was two small computer monitors on either side of him, right? Yes. And that was it. When it was looking at Dar- uh, sorry, Dom. Um, there was those same two small monitors, but there was also a big one in the middle that was kind of right around her head. And yeah. I think given where this scene goes, where she sort of gives this big lie, uh, I, I don't know if it's just simply that the, the, the extra screen around her head is kind of representing that the story's fabricated, that there's a, a fake element to it's what she's the, saying uh, to him. The, the lie surrounded by truth. Mm. Oh, I mean, it is, yeah, there's a lot of truth. Because up until she actually says, 
you know who he was a double agent for it sounds like she's telling the truth about everything it does and then you go oh well i mean you know um it, it's that classic you know a lie is easier to believe if you surround it in you know as much truth as possible it's a sense okay the two monitors are the truth because they're on his side as well yeah and then the third one is okay the lie in the middle and the other bit of camera work that i really liked here is uh when it goes to the side there's like profile shots dead on to the side again it's a little bit different than what you normally see in in, in filmmaking typically there'll be at an angle sort of looking at us oh not quite at the camera but looking more at us yeah. and this was like side on profile shots for both of them looking at each other but what was notable is how they were framed within that shot is that in both sides they were very close to the uh what i'll refer to as the center edge and but what i mean by that is that you know when she, she's looking at the, the into the, the 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 right right she's looking at the yes. right of the screen uh so she's actually quite close to the right her nose is very close to the edge that edge and likewise he's very close on that other side to his his left whereas so, traditionally you do it more close to the middle or towards the other side yeah but the effect that has here is that despite the fact that they've got a six seven foot table between them it always feels that they're actually really close together it feels yep. like they're right in each other's face almost all the time uh and that's that's what makes this really effective is it like Despite the actual physical space, they feel like right in each other's face right now. Yeah, yeah, it feels it feels really personal. Yeah, it feels really in, in, intensive. So yeah, really well done stuff. Uh, yeah, and she gives this fake, you know, it's like this cartel. Yeah, I was working for this cartel, and I'm scared for my life and my family because this cartel may come after us. Uh, but of course, that's the fake part, uh, which does actually take us straight to the taxidermy place. Uh, where the woman who we now know as Janice—I mean, you probably heard that last episode, but I made a point. I know that. I think I time. even said her name was Janice last time. Well, badge I'm for just you. Take, I'm, t- I'm taking the small point. Uh, but what I thought was interesting here again, symbolically, she's she's putting she's like preparing like a deer, like frame. Is that what it was? Is it yeah, a deer? I think it was a deer. Uh, for like an actual deer skin to go on it, and you know, she's sort of waxing up as she's talking to Dom. But she's literally putting this like skin and fur of the deer over the head as she says, you know, keep your head straight or something like that. And again, this idea that this is it's almost like a puppet, right? She's literally yeah, getting covering her... up the lie as well. Oh my god, you can look at it that way. But I was thinking more like it's almost like Dom's now one of her her subjects, right? And she's literally oh, sure, yeah. she's literally putting her her fur on this subject as she's kind of like controlling dom i don't know obviously it's not a literal puppet but it kind of felt puppet no, 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 I, I get what you meant uh in that sense um but she's 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 only calling to say like hey okay the interview went well and you know i'm pretty sure that he he bought it what do you mean by pretty sure well you know like 99.9 percent as, as sure as ever can be and she like writes down the agent's name like it, like it's like okay she's evil as shit and it's worth mentioning yeah. there's, there's a whole conversation going on like the radio or whatever right now about the manson family yes. <laughs> so just to complete that and the scene ends with a really funny beat it's a really dark funny beat but this old woman comes in with a little dog says i want uh charlie to to be with me forever and just like pulls out this carcass of a dog and just slaps it, it on the just table lumps onto the table but my favorite part of this is the way janice looks up at her as you hear the final part of this radio broadcast say uh, anyone, I think it's they're talking about other countries. Like anyone who breaks the law gets their gets their their heads cut off or something. And she's just like looking at her, like she's her angles down. She's looking up at her. I don't know. The whole thing was just darkly very funny, and I, it was very funny. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about it. Janice is a a strangely funny character in the sense that the, the whole point of her is okay. She's not the one you expect, yet she's terrifying. Mm. So it's it's got you know it's got that going for it. Yeah, she's actually much scarier than Bobby Carnival was last season. 
which is quite impressive because he was also pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, then we cut to the funeral home, um, and the Mister Robot and Elliot are in the you know the the you know the pews kind of area, and they're talking about um well mr robot's trying to get him to open up and admit that he's feeling things basically he's, he's worried that he's bottling things up and mr and ellie's like oh come yeah, on Elliot never does that does he yeah and ellie's like no nah, come on like, I, I'm, I'm more concerned about the fact that waiter's was going to kill me and darlene so i'm working on that how about we get back to that and this is the part i was laughing at with the narration because he narrates a little bit before this and then after he's like he's like okay i admit to to us i admit that didn't go so well and then there's a pause and then he goes f you <laughs> <laughs> i just love i just love how aggressive he is with us it's great yeah it's uh, funny. and then we cut to darlene who's in the back and she's with the guy uh to you know the funeral director or whoever who's uh selling selling the coffin she's looking through the catalog the thing i wanted to note down here though is uh the background i don't know if you noticed this uh very specific thing is that there's five coffins in the background two of them are closed and three of them are open now, I, I, I did not notice that now, I may be reading far too much into this, but I couldn't help but notice that in this, the, the scene we just had there with uh, Mr. Robot and Elliot, that um, when Elliot said, oh, the White Rose is coming after us, he specifically said, me, you, and Darlene. So I don't know if the three open caskets just kind of represent those three. It could do, but begs the question, who are the, who are the other two? Is one Angela? Is one... What, one would be Angela, I would assume. Yeah. Beyond that, I don't know who the fifth one is. Not who's as directly personal as yeah. There's been a lot of deaths for sure. I mean, maybe there's another reading this that I'm not quite getting, but I definitely noted down because I was like, "This is interesting." There's three open and two closed. I can't. I'm not letting that go by me. Oh look, we've changed clothes, and Connor looks like a Bond villain or something now. But he's here slicked back. I got a haircut. Yeah, oh, you got a haircut today. That's why. Yeah. Uh, uh, so. My internet went out mid-recording, which is why this review is now a day later than it should be. Uh, so apologies for that, but not much we can do in those circumstances. Uh, so we're going to pick up right where we left off. I was talking about the three open coffins. I'll just add on at the end of this scene, Elliot just walks in whilst looking at his phone and says, uh, Cremation, cardboard coffin, cheapest urn. <laughs> just going with the, the theme of the episode, which is we don't really yeah. care about our mother because she was awful. Um yeah. Uh, but then at the train station, at the subway station, and this was a really tense scene actually, just because Elliot had Susan Jacobs on his phone. It was like a photo of her. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it, like Darlene sitting next to him, and at one point she grabs his phone, and she she, she reveals later that she did notice it. But I was kind of waiting for it all to see. I was like, oh, is she going to like react, say something, yeah. yeah, maybe not even say something, but just like like just notice it and kind of go, oh wait a minute, why is he looking at that? <laughs> like, yeah, that's very specific, very very specific. She must think she's been made yeah uh so also the scene ends with a, a snowman who's been sitting next to them stands up and says condolences and walks off i'm not gonna lie all scene i was expecting that that there's someone sinister inside that suit and and he's just overheard everything they've said mm. um nah it just seems like a nice 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 dude who overheard this intense conversation most of which uh, was about Darlene wanting to go to the bank and see what's in this box uh, Elliot said things there's no point um, and it becomes clear throughout the scene that this is really about her wanting him to be there uh, more than it is about the box itself uh, at least I was yeah. getting that vibe quite early on um, and she really has to say please just come with me and she kind of she she's almost begging at one point um, so we come back to them obviously later uh, Dom then uh, is an interrogation, not her interrogation. We've had that. This is now her just, you know, 
co-piloting with another agent talking to this uh, this Irish criminal smuggler dude who makes people disappear but not 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 in like a traditional we make people we want to die die in a way that he makes other criminals have new lives somewhere else off the grid or new releases yes. that kind of thing um fresh start yeah the, the breaking bad disappear i suppose I'll, I'll put it that way um but the main part of the scene though is that she gets a a message from janice saying sorry about agent horton and then another guy comes in the room and says, oh, did you hear? And we find out that he, you know, quote-unquote, has committed suicide by jumping off his building. And there's a second... 99.9% isn't good enough. Yeah, let's strive for 100 with the little, the, the 100 emoji. Yeah. Uh, the, I, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of doing exactly what you thought it was going to do, but it... it I think what, what, what makes it work in a sense of, like, oh, we knew she was going to go after him, or maybe not her, herself, but, like, the Dark Army were going to go after him. I think the reason why this still works and never feels any less than completely engaging is the tone of which Janice delivers this. It's the off-kilter, kind of cheery encouragement of it. Yes. Uh, So, yeah, so Dom has, uh, once again... I don't think we see her again for the rest of this this episode. No, we don't. Um, I think... um, you know, this is just further cementing her in here. And I think she is also going to have a reason to fight. Like, she might come later in the story in terms of when she finally kind of takes up arms mm. with, you know, Elliot and Darlene and everyone else. But, but I'm sure there will be a moment. Yeah. yeah. She's going to want to fight. Probably reluctantly. She's, I mean, she hates Darlene's guts uh, for all the reasons of last season. Yeah. But... Uh, but bigger so, issues. So they were at the bank and they get the news that the box stopped being paid for a couple of years ago and it's company policy to uh, give 120 days for people to like maybe show up and collect their goods yeah but uh, that didn't happen so it was all tossed so it's kind of this unfulfilling lack of answers you know but i think what's beautiful about this is that it just reveals that that's not really what darlene was looking for this was all about elliot and trying to connect with him she's kind of freaking out shouting at the at the the guy there who's just like it's 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 policy what do you want me yeah. to do he's all scared and it becomes very clear as well that this is not about mum because they they, they both they're both in pretty much you know unison here about how they feel about their mother and how awful she was yeah. uh, this is about angela this is about dealing with angela's death and how obviously she's been having a hard time like she was delirious and thought she'd seen her like the previous day and hell there's still room for that to turn out to be true and she just thinks she was delirious and whatnot I'm, we're saving that, keeping that open, that door's staying open. But um, it's about Angela, and she says to Elliot, "Like, how can you? How have you moved on already?" And he's like, "I've not." And you know, I think it's been clear to us that all this fighting, that everything he's doing to take down White Rose, like, yeah, it could be passed off. He's just, he's just trying to save himself. He's trying to save himself and Darlene. But I feel like it's really about Angela. Like, you know, the the real, you mm, know, definitely the, the driving motivation right now is to avenge Angela. And yeah, so I I, I liked all that stuff. I, I think I, I love the tone of this scene. Uh, obviously, it's shot mostly from behind. Once they're sitting down next to each other and having this honest conversation, uh, we have the short reverse shot of like just looking kind of slightly to, to an angle over each other's shoulders. But uh, a lot of it is this two shot that starts off very wide. It gets more and close as, as the scene goes on. But what I like about this is the entire time once he's sitting down, is that there's this Christmas song playing. There's like Christmas music playing. And it kind of frames it with this kind of like family cheery time of year kind of mood. Family time is yeah. traditionally what you know is associated with Christmas, and this is a very broken family. 
Yeah, so it, it really it really nails kind of this mood and in, in this this moment, um, and then we find out about the tape because you know Elliot says get the, the Walkman out and he shows her what was in it and it just says Happy Mother's Day, which means nothing to us, you know, yeah, and. Mm. He's like, do you remember this tape? And she's like, yeah, that wasn't for her though. How did she get it? It's like, I don't know. Maybe she just wanted it to be for her. And obviously, I'm like, okay, we're going to get to hear it. Come on, let's, what's on the tape? What's on the tape? And uh, sure, and Ellie doesn't want to listen to it at first, but he does then kind of rescind and leans in and listens to it uh, as well. Kind of at Darlene's insistence. Yeah, because uh, he's very he's adamant he's not going to it first, and then he he does it anyway. And we hear it's a Mother's Day tape that they made for Angela's mum. Uh, and what's beautiful about this is that we see we see Happy Mother's Day, and it's hard not to at least think on some level. So this is about their mother, right? But it's not that this this There's an obvious assumption to that, yeah. yeah. But the, the, this tape is about Angela, and this is something that means something to them because of their friendship with Angela. And we hear you know the three of them you know making this message as kids, like, and it's all for Angela's mum. Like presumably they made nothing for their mum. <laughs> But they, they actually Angela. call her mum as well. Like they don't, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, I think after all they say, you know, uh, Mrs. Moss. But they, they they do call her mum as well at first. And it reiterates um, how close these three were growing yeah. up. You know, because it's something that was kept secret from us for like a lot of season one, and then we kind of got filtered in after that, like about yeah. what this past was like. And this really kind of like hit it right. And I I love that because if, if 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 anyone had a complaint last last season about Joanna being killed early i feel like first of all i never felt the same way about angela because it felt like the conclusion to her story it felt natural but yeah. everything everything in these two episodes so far has been spiraling the motivations have all come from her i actually think that's the you know last episode we were discussing how you know if you'd put that scene at the end of last season mm. would there be any complaints would it be would it really be any different uh i've actually come to the conclusion yes it would be different because I think putting it at the start of this season frames it as the driving force for everything that happens afterwards. Whereas sure. at the end of last season, it's a capper. Whereas here, no, this is this is the start of everything for this season. Yeah, I mean, I still think you can use it as a driving force, even if it's uh, from the finale. You can, I mean... you can. But I think it's a it's a more clear statement of that being at the start versus being at the end. Yeah. So no, that was a really wonderful scene. It was a kind of a touching scene. Uh, which you know we don't necessarily get. We do actually we get a fair amount of touching scenes of Mister Robot. It's just surrounded by so much misery. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. the touching scenes really stick out, and I, I feel like this one did. So, uh, and then we get one of the perhaps the most fascinating scenes in the episode, uh, which is Zhang. Uh, we finally see him. He's putting up his Christmas tree. Well, he's putting up. He's decorating his Christmas tree. Sorry, it's already a up. very big Christmas tree. Uh, yeah, it's like twelve foot tall. It's it's a huge thing, fifteen foot maybe. Um, uh, you know, Philip comes in. He's like, "Oh, it's uh, your what was what was the word he used? Uh, unbalanced. You're unbalanced to the left." And he's like, "Oh, the tree. Oh, to the left. You're quite right, Philip." Yeah. Anyway, this this this, this kind of. Um, so what 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 I loved about this, I love how this scene was shot. This was one of the, the scenes where I really was paying attention to the camera work. Uh, Zhang for a lot of this scene is either in a very very wide shot, and even because in a little bit closer when he's decorating the tree, it's still a fairly wide shot. It's still kind of yeah. his full body. And I mean, you need a you need a fairly wide shot to get most of that tree in. <laughs> yes, that, that's true. Um, but he's very much at a distance, and the moment where Price kind of tells him about he wants to. Uh, resign and he's going to move on and he's doing it by the end of the year so keep in mind this is right before christmas so you know in the next week or so yeah uh, you know where this is it. which and as we know from the start of the episode elliot needs them all in a room within eight days right and this what is his 
And what, yeah, this has play to make that happen. But what I love about this, because when Elliot said that earlier on, and Price said, do you think I can just request that all these world leaders can be in a room at the same time? You think I have that power? And I, 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 you know, I believed him that this was a ridiculous request. This is the one thing that's believable that he can force their hands by this because they have to make a decision. That that's because this wasn't him asking for them to do it. This was him just he knows that playing this card will result that, in that. That'll, that'll be the consequence of what they have to do to react yeah. to it. So I like this. It felt very believable. This was a way he could get it done. Um, yeah, because uh, you know, at the start when he's saying, "I can't do that," yeah, I felt a little bit of sympathy for him there because it was quite <laughs> a big ask, right? <laughs> Well, that's the other thing I love about this scene is that he gets to Zhang because Zhang has so much power. We've seen him have power throughout. You know, remember last season when he says, oh, you, I had to ask twice, you know, that scene. That's yeah. how much power Zhang has. What I love about this scene is that the second Philip just decides that he, and I'm using this word wording very specifically here, he decides he just doesn't want to play the game anymore. Zhang has no power anymore. And he feels powerless and he ends up, you know, pulling down his tree in a fit of rage because ultimately, yeah, he maybe he can kill Price immediately after this because he's pissed him off and he probably will and and can, but it doesn't change the fact that Price has stopped caring and he doesn't, Price, you know, Price doesn't care that if he's going to die, Price doesn't care that he's losing because as he says, like, see, you just called it a game, Zhang, and you, you know, that's, that's the difference between you and me, but hey, if it is a game, you just won, so be happy, but... Yeah. But, but that's it, it. If he's not playing, if he's not scared of the threat anymore, then what are you gonna do, right? Yeah, and of course this is throwing a wrench into Zhang's plan because he he wants to ship his 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 project out of the Congo, and that's happening within the next week, which is why because he's, he's like, no, nah, you're you're waiting because my project's not done yet. Yeah, and, yeah. it's well Price, eight days. Yeah, and Price defiantly says, "Here's the thing, I don't care," which is probably something that he's never said to him before. He's that's, never said uh, to Zhang. That's the most ballsy he's ever been. Yeah, and if and you feel, and I actually want to compliment the show here. Not that Price is, is a squeaky clean character by any means. Not that he he can't still be evil, but I never found, I've never, I never thought I'd find myself in a scene like this rooting for Price because mm. of what he's fighting for, because he's fighting for Angela. And likewise, when he phones Elliot at the start of the next scene, and Elliot says thank you, he's like, "I'm not doing this for you," and it's clear who he's doing it for. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's I I really like that. One of the shots I want to point out though is um. When he does say what he's going to do, that he's going to resign, and then defiantly says, no, I'm going to do it anyway, I don't care if it's a problem. Mm. Zhang walks forward to him, and he comes closer to the camera, and that's a pretty imposing shot in itself, but what I really liked about it is the reverse shot of Price, where it, the shot of Price just starts to kind of, like, um, crab around him, and it just it feels like the camera is just rotating around price as zang gets closer and his eye lines changing it felt yeah. really like he's oh he's that you've pissed him off enough that he's coming to talk to you he's, in, he's face inside the face. personal space now yeah um, but it was a really nice build up in this and the movement really sold the 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 you know the impending sort of like doom of zang coming towards him yeah uh, the, the direction that. on this show is just next level isn't it absolutely is absolutely is that's my next page actually <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. It's the last page. I mean, we only really have uh, Couple two of scenes. scenes we have two scenes left. Uh, so we're back in the in the church. We're back because uh, they're picking up the ashes and whatever. Elliot's on his own on the phone, as we said. Um, and Darlene comes in and essentially, in trying to open up and get him to talk about who he was on the phone with and that kind of thing, she then brings up Jacobs. He's like, hey, why were you looking into to Jacobs? Like, I saw, you, saw her on your phone. Why are you looking into her? and ultimately confesses and of course i can't go any further in the scene without talking about the fact that behind elliot for a lot of this scene in multiple parts of the scene depending on where he is 
there's a giant cross that's got a light on it <laughs> like behind him yeah it's uh it's maybe the the some of the least subtle work this show has done and i think that's kind of the point i think the point is, yeah. is at this point we're not being subtle like it's, uh, i mean it's it's about redemption at this point yeah uh so i love it um uh, i actually my, my favorite part actually though is that when he sits down with darlene and he actually tells her what the plan is when he eventually says i'm gonna have to wait rose uh some really good music comes in at that point so good right but that's also when the cross is right behind him it really feels biblical like he's going after yeah. white rose he's going to take down the giant and darlene realizes that hey wait a minute like it's not just you that she's going to come after it's me as well and there's like a pause and she goes i'm in and it's like yeah we're getting f society back together baby yeah, yeah. and elliot's like no no chance don't you you can't be doing this and yeah. she's having none of it yeah uh, she puts a, a thing on his phone so that she, he can always track her in case he's worried about her kind of thing um so and that's obviously one of some of the things we've glossed over is is darlene like sort of explaining that she killed her and you know it's right before he actually admits what his plan is that he, he sits down and says okay i looked into her i know what she did i know what she was involved with with the the township plan and and so on and but yeah, there is this moment where he's like what have you done and she's like it looks kind of ashamed like you know yeah but then she she comes clean and kind of admits it and it's like yeah but i didn't want to tell you because i didn't want you to to judge me over it too much i think you know as much as we never really thought about this at the time and it's insane that that was like episode two or three of season two like that was like ages ago now um is that that's kind of given darlene something very specifically to redeem for i mean also how she treated dom last season but i think this obviously is the big line that she crossed at one point yeah yeah i think it's it's kind of a little bit better in hindsight now that okay well she was dark army and kind of you know she was this contact she was so important it makes it not quite as evil i guess yeah I mean, it was still sinister the way she did it. She didn't call blood. Oh, it blood. was. Yeah, I mean, yeah no... definitely. Yeah. So she's got redemption to fight for. And the fact that she's ashamed to tell Elliot knows that she feels it. She feels guilty about what she did, even though in the in the moment it was kind of how she acted. Mm. So, but yeah. And then we get to maybe some more interesting stuff, though. Oh, this is the most interesting. Because we, we were talking about, obviously, how Vera was at the end of uh, season three. It was the post credit scene. And, you know, and... Darlene says, "Hey, like I, I know, you know, I realized you were up to something, but I assumed it was to do with Vera." And Ellis like, "Vera, what's he have to do with that?" And he's like, "Well, you know, I'd, like he showed up a couple of months ago, and like I, I noticed as soon as the, the name came up, the music kind of intensified. It got like a lot darker. It did. Um, it got that uh, suspense tension yeah. stuff going. And she's like, about when I told you about him, you sort of said, "Hey, you know, no, no big deal, nothing to worry don't about. Don't worry about it." Yeah. And my favorite thing here is that the camera just pans behind Darlene to Mister Robot sat there, and we're thinking you the know, same thing. It, yeah, and Elliot's there going, "God damn it! Why didn't he tell me?" Yeah, we're we're thinking the same thing. He is is that Mister Robot had this conversation with Darlene and has not told Elliot, and Elliot has no idea that Vera's back in the picture. Um, but of course, the big thing here. Um, uh, is, is so Elliot uh, basically says to Darlene go along I'll be there in a minute and that's exciting for us because we're like oh it's because he wants a chat with Mr. Robot like yeah. it makes no sense to Darlene but to us it makes complete sense he wants to have a yeah. private conversation and he gets angry at him and Robot's like no 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 like I don't have no idea and it takes like, like a minute to convince him but he's like I'm, I promise you I did not have that conversation and it's when it says that sense I was not the one who had that conversation that I set up and go Hold on a oh, second. Wait a minute now. And yeah. you know, Elliot says the exact thing. He's like, wait, if I didn't have that conversation and you didn't have that conversation, <laughs> then who had that conversation with Darlene? Oh boy. 
Oh, so good. There's a uh, a rogue element. There's a third personality, and this is something that we've been joking about or theorizing about since like early season two. Is that there may be a third one? <laughs> I've been thinking for a while that we were the third one. Um, yeah. But yeah. we didn't have this conversation. We saw Vera doing it wrong, so if, if they want to play it at that angle, I can buy it. Um, but, but we face, didn't see the conversation. But at face value, yes, if, if if this third personality had a conversation with Darlene, then it has to be something in the show. And the next scene, of course, which is probably the most David Lynch trippy what is going on scene the entire show has ever had. Yeah, yeah. Uh, suggests there is a third personality. In fact, I noted down the sound effect here as it transitions from this scene, like, you know, it's a suspense of like, who, who was it? And you have this like metallic like sound. I don't even know how to describe it. And when you eventually see what it is, it's basically the spinning of a swivel chair, like the one I'm sitting in, but like turned up and like intensified to like this ridiculous yeah, it's, degree. It's, it's got this creak to it. It's it's like it's not smooth. It sounds spin. like it sounds like something you'd hear maybe in like a steel factory, or something. It's it is yeah. No, what it is, it's the two because obviously on your swivel chair, it's you know <coughs> a circular bit, you know inside the outer bit. It's the two bits kind of grating together as it spins. Yeah, but it's intensified that it sounds like you're going past like the steel mill and the Terminator Two or something yeah. like that. Um, and it's, it goes to the city and then it goes into this and it's, you know, it's it's a very similar like boardroom. Remember way back at the start of the show, the one percent, the one percent. It was that kind of boardroom. It was. I wouldn't and be surprised to see if it was like almost exactly the same. Probably, if, if yeah. You went back and check. But this is a young. Elliot, I think, right? Uh, that was my assumption too. I, I don't but... remember what young kid Elliot looked like from the flashbacks way back when. Someone can confirm in the comments for us if this is definitely... I mean, that said, though, it's been a few years since that season. Maybe they had to get a new actor anyway because uh, mm. he'd have grown up too much. But um, he's swiveling in the chair and then in walks Elliot's mother. And you're like, is this a flashback? Is it, What's going on here? You know, what, what are we doing? What's happening? Yeah. And... She's like, that's not your chair. Yeah, it's not your chair. Uh, you can't do this shit. We have to wait. And he says, you know, she says, we have to wait for him. And he's like, Elliot? Is it, no, Mr. Robot? No, the other him. And then he just gets up. She takes his hand and they walk through the door and it just slowly shuts. And then we cut to credits. So this is like some weird in his head yep. stuff. It's the best I could describe it at this point. Yeah, this is a... Uh strange but I, I agree okay this is some section of his subconscious because it immediately made me because it immediately dispelled the first idea i might have had which is that the third one was his mother right because if one's his father it made you know sure yeah no there's an obvious thing to there that, was a logic but... but because she's there saying no it's the other him like it's okay it's definitely saying to me it's not her it's something it's else someone else yeah i mean and the fact that there's young Elliot in here also says to me that even Elliot that we know isn't, like, him and Mr. Robot are both parts, they're, they're all splinters of what Elliot used to be as a kid. The idea sure. that Elliot as a kid splintered into these different personalities. Uh, even though it's ba the other one's based on his dad, it's still very much the, the what the, the kid saw his dad as kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's that side of him. So, um, yeah, what is the third one? Could be uh, a version of Tyrell. We haven't seen much of him. Maybe I feel like I feel like I don't think it's gonna be Tyrell though. I I'm, I mean I don't really. I've just it's the only thing that kind of springs to mind at, at first. Yeah, I mean it could be a, the third one's still kind of born from his mother. Like the more like let's say it's a more sinister evil one, right? Is that does it even though it's not his mother literally? Like did it come from that side of him? The like, only thing that maybe makes me question it is um 
as she said, the the other him. Which makes me assume it's still a male personality. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. It's still like a version of Elliot, but it's like based, you know, the, 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 the evil came from mm, her. Okay. It's her influence. That's um, possible. Um, you know, maybe the reason why it doesn't take his mother's form is because, is because, you know, he was close with his father. He, you know, he liked his father. So, yeah. Yeah, whereas his mother he hated. So that's why. But um, as worth mentioning, we, we have talked about this before. I remember distinctly at the end of season two, I think it was, talking about how it sounded like in the past there was a third personality there was a hint um there was yeah um when he was talking to angela on the train i remember it fairly well No, i do i remember discussing how um because we talked about his his breaks in the past that had been an element in the show yeah um but it didn't sound like it was always mr robot not like this yeah it sounded like there'd been something else in the past if, if not all three at one time it, it, and it sounded like he didn't remember previous versions like, you know when he'd had his previous break you know because we'd heard about yeah. darlene and angela having to go and find them before you know before season one even you know pre the show's history exactly um so i i'm so excited to be digging into that stuff and kind of hitting at it and this weird like last scene that was like it like, completely threw what i expect out of the show just out the window right it's like it, it introduced okay this is a whole new concept we can play with even in this show that has been very weird and has done some pretty extreme meta ideas like the uh mm. sitcom in in you know in, in Elliot's head this was like something he's not even aware of yeah. uh, it's totally different who's the third man <laughs> that's the question though i hope that by the time it's revealed I hope we can go back through seasons, or at least this season, and see him at points. Oh, like, okay, maybe. Just in the background of scenes, he was there, but we didn't know it was him. Oh, I don't know if we'll literally get that visual, but like, I'm wondering if there's no, maybe... no, no. I I don't need them to show us it, but like, you know, on a rewatch, he was there. No, I'm not saying no. I don't even need that that visual in hindsight. I mean, like, I don't. I don't, I don't think... need it. I just I would like it. Um, but maybe more interesting to me would just be like parts of Elliot's personality like is there moments you can go back watch his performance and go no that scene was this third character it wasn't actually the Elliot we know oh, possibly yeah um, I wonder if there's going to be like an element of that that's going to creep in I don't know uh, it is fascinating though and I'm super excited to dive into more of this uh, over over the next 11 episodes which is what we've got left yeah although mm. you're doing the next one on your own aren't you I am yes Connor's on vacation next week so I'll have my notes, I'll be doing it on my own next week, uh, and we'll we'll fire through it and see, see what happens. And then Carl will be back, presumably for episode four. So... Yes, I'll be watching both. Well, I'll be watching the third one as soon as I get back, for like the day after. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that is the plan. So thank you very much uh, for joining us. Let us know what you thought of the episode and your theories as to who this third personality, this third Elliot is. Uh, and everything else that was on the show it was a fantastic episode. I thought it was even better than the first episode. Um, it, it, it maybe didn't quite have like the Angela death scene was so well executed, no pun intended. That the yeah, I don't know if this any, had any specific I, scenes that topped that for me, but I think as a whole, this episode was even stronger. I feel like it was less flashy but more consistent. Yes, uh, the emotional beats were hitting hard throughout. And, uh, Cause and I, I, mean, I will say, I think this this rose to the end where you got to the end, you were like, "What the hell is going on?" Whereas last episode opened with it, and uh, as good as the rest of the episode was, never quite matched the opening. And this episode was about unifying Darlene and Elliot, uh, as well as obviously a subplot about Dom's sort of situation. But that was the two main things that were going on here. 
and I think it handled those very, very well, especially Darlene and Elliot. I love those that, that stuff. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so let us know what you think in the comments. Like and subscribe, all that stuff. You can, of course, ding the bell to make sure you get notifications on YouTube. You can support us by rating the audio podcast uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever. Five stars. Helps more people find us. Helps spread the show a little bit. You can support us financially over at patreon.com slash TV, where you can support us for as little as $1 per month. And you get bonuses, exclusives, deleted like tangent conversations that we have and all sorts of things. Plus, there's more at the higher tiers. So go and have a look and see if you're interested. Uh, otherwise, get us on the Twitters at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. And look out for other TV reviews and movie review podcasts and all the other stuff we do. Um, there's a horror movie podcast that's going every single day right now because it's October. Uh, but I'll be back to its usual one per week uh, come November. Uh, that's called Streams After Midnight, so check out that. Uh, but otherwise, that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV, guys. Have you got any vanilla? Oh, and goodbye, friend. <laughs>